0: History Podcasters, Terrible Leaders Special, King Manasseh. About a month back, the History Podcasters website, a website created to host and promote and create a community for independent history podcasters, put out a sampler podcast of many different tastes and styles of different history podcasts. Anywhere from six to nine minutes of podcast samplers, that were done to promote their website and also other podcasts. It was a a nine-minute sample of this podcast was created for their program. Every month or so they create a topic and this time it was terrible leaders and they asked for volunteers to write up and record content for their show so we put together a nine-minute audio for one of their slots for the history podcasters website podcast. Well, it went over well, and a lot of first-time listeners listened in and listened for the first time. And also, the History Podcasters website has a Facebook group where thousands chat about history and podcasting. It's quite interesting and entertaining, and it's very independent and global. The goal is to create a community of those who love history and share it. In the process of creating the sampler, I totally overwrote the content. It was at least twice as long as it was supposed to be. No worries, right? Well, it was hard cranking it down to a timeline of six to nine minutes, but it was pulled off. But for the subscribers, you get the whole thing. So what follows is a complete episode. We're to create a topic that relates to the show Terrible Leaders. So I picked the worst ruler or the most terrible of Israel's kings, King Manasseh both because it is a really gnarly story. I mean, it is. It's nasty. And it gets your attention, but in the end, it's a redemptive account. So without further ado, here's an account of Israel's worst king, History Podcaster's Terrible leader Special, King Manasseh. If I told you, I wanted to tell a story about a ruler who oppressed his people so much so that he ruined the prosperity of his nation and led to its eventual destruction. You think of many world rulers, right? Alright, so let's add that he murdered nearly every righteous person in his kingdom, and he made it a goal to remove any civilized religion, and he was so bloodthirsty he murdered innocents daily. Now the scope is narrowing. You're probably thinking about some communist government or Nazi Germany, right? But now I must add this, that we're talking about a Jewish king in Jerusalem who even killed his own prophets, including the notorious wooden saw execution of Isaiah the prophet, the same Isaiah who prophesied the birth of Jesus Christ. This king would sacrifice his own child to one of his many gods, Molech, and pile up so much innocent blood, Jerusalem was recorded as overflowing with it. To the worst of the rulers in Israel's history, I take the listeners to 687 BC, Jerusalem and the reign of King Manasseh. A lot has changed since the golden days of the Kingdom of Israel with King David and his son Solomon around 1000 BC. It was glorious. David, the warrior king, labeled as a man after God's own heart, conquered every kingdom that set out against him, and he left power to his son Solomon, whose wisdom and glory was world-renowned, so much so that the kings of the earth traveled afar to see his majesty and to hear his wisdom. So wise was Solomon that even the Quran considered Solomon a major prophet. After Solomon, Israel's glory began to fade as the northern and the southern Israel were divided. The northern portion fell away from the ways of their ancestors, the teaching of Moses and the faith of the patriarchs. But the south, generally speaking, was faithful to their ancestry calling and traditions and God. The northern kingdom of Israel was wholly conquered by Assyria in 722 BC, and the peoples were dispersed into the realm of Assyria. All that remained at this point was the kingdom of Judah, or the southern part of Israel, with Jerusalem at its capital with its temple to God. Judah, which we will call Israel from Huron, for the sake of clarity, experienced a revival with King Hezekiah, who reigned from 716 to 687 BC. At this point, what is left of Israel is situated in a very vulnerable location, surrounded by world empires, the Assyrians to the north, the soon-to-be Babylonians to the east, and a resurgent Egypt to the southwest. You almost have to root for Israel at this point, a tiny little nation whose greatness has faded, hanging on against all odds. The little Israel was barely hanging on for existence. King Hezekiah provided a new hope for Israel. When Assyrian king Sennacherib parked an army of 185,000 troops outside of Jerusalem in 701 BC, the end was apparent for Israel. But this is where Hezekiah did something incredible. Not forgetting what made Israel, he took the threat of their destruction, written in a letter, and immediately ran to the temple of God in Jerusalem, spread his petition out, and cried out to God for their deliverance. And what happens next is truly fantastic. Whether you believe the Bible, where an angel destroyed the entire Assyrian army in one night, or Josephus' interpretation that a plague swept the enemy camp, regardless, the Assyrian empire was headed to the grave to be replaced by the future Babylonian empire. Hezekiah continued to rule with justice and wisdom, educating his people, working with the prophets of God in his realm, and reviving their lost traditions and faith in God. All seemed to be on track. What is significant here as well is that he worked with his prophets. It's rare in all of history to find a king able to work with his religious men, especially the prophets. The most devout in all of history found it hard to understand the prophets. For example, Israel's most well-known prophet at the time was Isaiah. Isaiah lived during the rule of four kings and was getting pretty old. So far, he prophesied the birth of the Messiah, the destruction of Assyria, the end of the northern kingdom of Israel, and many other staggering truths. He's had heavenly experiences and has visited heaven. He's incredibly accurate and bold and full of God, but he's also erratic emotional and prone to the most unexpected ecstatic prophecies. Proven by wisdom, yet even the most righteous man would struggle to understand him at the relational level. But Hezekiah was able to balance this and understand Isaiah and receive the blessings of God accordingly. Hezekiah is aging, and he has children, and one of them is Manasseh. All seems well in Israel, And they may just recover some of the greatness of old. But at the birth of Manasseh, there was no doubt that Isaiah witnessed his future death. With each day, Hezekiah was approaching death, and Manasseh was about to become ruler of Israel. And upon the death of Hezekiah, few knew what terrors befell them, except the prophets. Now if Hezekiah had a weakness, it was his family life. And like so many of the kings of Israel, he was a horrible father for his son became the exact opposite of him. Could it be that he neglected his own child for his kingdom? And if I were a psychologist back then, we would probably see the workings of a child that became king who hated his own kingdom that was loved more than him. He had a hatred of the kingdom that was loved more than him. So Manasseh became king at the age of 12 and would reign 55 years. For a monastic state, Israel was created and set aside to worship one God, the God of the patriarchs, Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, whose words were recorded by Moses, but quickly Manasseh chose a different route. Like so many of the worst rulers in human history, some would have said Manasseh was possessed by the devil himself. If this was the case for Manasseh, here's how he got there. This is what it says about Manasseh in the account of the ancient scrolls of the kings of Israel. Second Chronicles 2 He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He rebuilt the high places his father Hezekiah demolished. He also erected altars to the Baals and made Asherah poles. He bowed down to all the starry host and worshiped them. He built altars in the temple of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, My name will remain in Jerusalem forever. In both courts of the temple of the Lord, he built altars to all of the starry host. He sacrificed his children in the fire in the valley of Ben Hamon. He practiced divination and witchcraft, sought omens, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. So there you go. 101 if you want to become demon-possessed. What happens when a person sells their soul to the devil? Josephus would go on to explain his actions after these deeds. He barbarously slew all of the righteous men that were among the Hebrews. He said, all of the righteous men. Nor would he spare the prophets. For he every day slew some of them, till Jerusalem was overflown with blood. Seriously, what would that look like, that every day he would slew anyone righteous? Israel wasn't a large kingdom then. He was forcibly depopulating it of all goodness. He must have had burning parties as well, just like in Nazi Germany. For two generations later, they would rediscover the books of the laws of Moses, which shows that he nearly eradicated what became known as the Old Testament today. He went on a killing spree of all who were good. He did away with anyone and anything that had to do with good. The prophets, the priests, teachers, righteous men, all would die in this very long reign of terror. It's almost as if he killed for sport and daily brought out someone to murder to give him some wicked feel-good. Now we get to the prophets. God always delivers his message, and he would deliver his message of judgment on Manasseh and Israel for these horrific acts. The result was the Babylonian captivity and the destruction of Jerusalem in 587 BC, which would depopulate Israel for 70 years and lead to the Babylonian captivity. Jewish tradition tells this account of Isaiah that he was hacked to death during the reign of Manasseh with a wooden saw. I mean, who does this? A wooden saw with ineffective teeth. His death must have been terrible. What a horrific death for the man who prophesied the birth of Jesus Christ. Such a horrible death for a prophet who knew it was coming since Manasseh was but a boy. To consider it from Isaiah's perspective could really mess you up. In addition to this reign of terror, Manasseh bankrupted his nation, destroyed its prosperity education system, and turned it into a bloody sick playground of disgusting paganism and witchcraft, all headquartered in the temple to God in Jerusalem. Now this is where the story takes a a wild turn. You'd think he'd die some terrible death or commit suicide or something like that. No. No. He is tricked by the Assyrians, or the Babylonians, depending on who you hear it from, and he's taken by them to Babylon. Here's the account. 2 Chronicles 33.11 The army commanders of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh prisoner, put a hook in his nose, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him to Babylon. So this is where Manasseh should have been tortured and killed. But it is where we cannot help but be shocked. In his distress, he sought the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. So he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. All right, so we really have to say, are you kidding me? I mean, what happens here is that he cries out to God for forgiveness and God lets this guy off the hook. I find it fascinating what it says. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. Wow, that's what it took for Manasseh to believe. Unbelievable that God was so patient to wait for him or how gracious that he allowed him even to be saved. Isn't this the most recurring theme in all of history? Redemption and forgiveness, and restoration. God's plan for every person. This is something Moses learned about God, that he was gracious and compassionate and eager to forgive. And Jonah, when he was at the gates of Assyria, he knew this, and that's why he didn't want to tell Assyria to repent, that God is merciful and eager to reveal himself to those who call upon him. Even in the worst of places, in Babylon, in the wickedest of places, with the hook in his nose and bronze shackles, Manasseh called out to God of his fathers, and he answered. It reminds me of a religious terrorist who thought he was fulfilling God's will around 40 AD by imprisoning and torturing and killing Christians. He was on his way to the city of Damascus when a blinding light knocked him to the ground. Stumbling into Damascus after receiving prayer in his sideback, Saul of Tarsus was renamed Paul of Tarsus and would go on to pen nearly half of the New Testament and preach the gospel to the Gentiles and change the world. His message to the world was grace, for God had shown him grace by forgiving his hatred and violence and attacks upon the faithful. He, in turn, would share the grace that was extended to him. For wherever darkness increases, grace increases all the more. hope you enjoyed this special episode of Message to Kings. Feel free to visit the Facebook page and leave a comment or question, or if you want to chat, email me at messagetokings at gmail.com.